With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given and Test Cricket was back this week and it was lovely to see it again in front of a small but delightful crowd at Lords. and obviously the highlight of that crowd was the man who couldn't get into his Kagul, would you call it Kagul or a Mac or an Anorak, whatever it is. I'll talk about him a bit later on, but if you haven't seen that video, the most wholesome video going around on social media at the moment, and we'll come to him a bit later on. But Cricket is back. Stephen Finn is back with us as well after Owen Morgan's barbecue last week. How was that barbecue, Finney? Can you tell us any gossip? No, 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 I can't. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. It was nice to, uh, nice to see him after a long time away. I haven't seen him for, uh, I think, since November now. Yeah, so over six months, so... Nice to catch up with him. He's a close friend of mine and growing up playing together. So, yeah, it was pleasant. It was a nice day. Um, made sure I put my sunscreen on because we were outside. And, and, yeah, it was a pleasant day, I'd say. Can I, can I just say, sorry, can I just say, I, I sort of imagine that barbecue a bit like a sort of Sopranos barbecue, you know, with like Owen Morgan as Tony Soprano, like doing the sausages yeah, and all that Yeah, he is a bit stuff. like that, actually. We, we actually, yeah. the Sopranos, when we toured India... Um, in ODIs because the test matches tended to be a big um, in big cities so you could actually go out and do stuff and Delhi and Mumbai and stuff you go out and see things but the one day tours were always to the middle of nowhere and the Sopranos I, I always took a projector around with me and linked it up to my Xbox um, and and we'd just watch the Sopranos all day so we'd just shut the blinds so, and watch so, the Sopranos so in, in the Sopranos I, I see you in that scenario, in that like Owen Morgan barbecue scenario, are you kind of like you're a kind of Silvio kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, but very loyal. Yeah, I like going. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, Owen likes doing that as well. He's um, if we get him on the podcast at some stage, just greet him with a oh, and he'll enjoy that. <laughs> who's who's Chris Moltisanti? Who who's the next Owen Morgan? When Owen Morgan you know, finally hangs up his, his boots. Who's the, who's next in line to the throne? Joss Butler, probably. Yeah. John, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. He'd make a good Chris Moltisanti, wouldn't he? Yeah. They've actually got similar sized noses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, someone's got a big nose when Finney can take the mick out of it. That's a, that's a, that's a hell of a no. Um, talk to me about Owen Morgan, the man, because I had the pleasure once of interviewing him on Radio X and, I just found him the coolest, most laid-back man in the world. And everybody talks about his captaincy and how calm he is under pressure. Is everything that they say about Owen Morgan just completely true? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, um, well, it's obviously no secret that he's completely transformed. I actually just got cramped then in my hamstring. That's not fucking ideal. <laughs> Only bowled four overs today. Jesus. <laughs> 
this, this bodes well for the hundred, where you may have to bowl some ten ball overs or whatever you've got. Oh no, I'm going to be absolutely knackered. <laughs> <laughs> and I only, um, I only worked out or realised the other day that knackered actually means sexually exhausted as opposed to just exhausted. So yeah, I think the original. Yeah, that's what. Of that's knackered, why. Yeah. That's why it's a banned word on the BBC. For God's sake, really? <laughs> you need to know. You need to know this, Finny. I say, Good job. Banned. This is from rentapodcast.com or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where we go out anymore. <laughs> um, I've never known that. Knackered means sexually exhausted. Yeah. I've never been knackered in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, bully for you. <laughs> um, anyway, so what are we talking about? We're talking about is Owen Morgan. Talking about <laughs> Owen, before, we, before we talked about my, uh, my non-existent sex life, we were talking about Owen Morgan. Is he, is he just the best to play under? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, I think the, the biggest thing is the fact that his style of captaincy allows people to go out and express themselves. And I think, especially in white ball cricket, the most important thing is to free people up so that they can go out there and give themselves the best chance of delivering the skill that they're trying to. Um, and I think that that's what he's achieved in that England team with the environment that they've created it means that whoever comes in and whenever they come in, it allows them to go and just be themselves. And that's why we see it such a great version of the people who play in that team and why it's so much fun. And, and whenever you speak to anyone who's played in that team, they say it's just so much fun because everyone gets along. Everyone enjoys going out there and working hard together and, and achieving things together. Do you know what I love about him in the one day team as well is that he never asked anyone to do something he wouldn't do himself. So the England approach is no matter how many wickets fall, they keep attacking because they trust somebody will come off. And Mo Owen Morgan, I've seen him go in so often that England are under pressure. And he just goes out there and plays his shots from ball one because he sets the tone for everybody else as well. I, lo I love watching him play in that team. Now, Daniel Norcross, from, um, from Owen Morgan, a man who is calm, calculated, mm -hmm. sensible, serene, intelligent, wise, to you is, uh, yes. is, is quite the contrast. Talk to me about this piece of paper that you were showing me before we pressed record on this podcast. Talk to me about what's going on, Dan. Well, okay. I mean, having gone through a long period of indolence, uh, one might say 52 years, but actually, you know, realistically, a few months, uh, I've suddenly got to do lots of work. So I had a test match this week at Lords, which no doubt we will talk about at great length. And then I've got to go to Edgebaston uh, and then Bristol straight after for the women's test match. So I'm going away for 10, 11 days. And COVID and me and Catherine, my wife, uh, means that we've not been separated for, I don't know, you know, very, very occasional moments, maybe the bubbles last year. So I've got to go away. I've got to take lots of outfits. I've got to dress myself for two test matches and she doesn't trust me. So she's written down this piece of paper with the clothes that I've got to wear on each day of each test match. And, and it's quite extraordinary because well, I'm colorblind. So it's not, one, it's not as helpful as it thinks it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example. On day three of Edgebaston, I have to wear uh, the blue tr blue tropical. I've no idea what that's going to look like. With the blue-green trousers. I mean, are they blue or are they green? Apparently, they're blue-green. Uh, with the linen jacket. I should be able to get that right because I'm quite good at touch and feel. Then blue striped socks. Bear in mind, there's a whole bunch of different socks. There's nine different pairs of socks here. <laughs> followed by the brown um, SE, shoe embassy, I think that stands for shoes. Now, I don't have a pair of brown shoe embassy shoes. I've got a pair of shoes that are slightly muddier looking than the other ones that are sort of bluer. And so I've, basically, I'm going to take with me a suitcase, and there's nine days of this shit here. I've got nine days of these indecipherable instructions around shirts, jackets, trousers, socks, and shoes. How do you prove so, to her that you've got it right? Is it you've got to send a photo every morning? I think I probably do, yeah. I mean, Henry Moran, my my producer, or one of my producers at TMS, tends to do that anyway. Uh, I mean, there's one here that, that shirts, it says parrots. <laughs> I mean, isn't that great, you know? So, so, so when... Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so, I, I am going to I'm gonna have to prove it. Put all the way down to the shoes and socks. It's going to be a full-length photo with me reclining, probably like Jacob Rees-Mogg on a chaise long at Edgebaston or Bristol. And this is what I look like. Are you happy now? This is so magnificent. Now, you need to post this on social media. We'll do it on the Zero Ducks Given account, and we need to tick off the outfit every single day and make sure that you've got everything. <laughs> I can't believe all these times that I've, I've hung out with you, Daniel, 
and you've been dressed in a ridiculous outfit, that there was planning and method that went into that costume. It's it's quite staggering. Does she has she put your pants on there, or can you be trusted to put on your own? Pants? No, no, no. The, the, the one thing's missing is pants. So um, I mean, as long as there are nine of them, the issue is I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, my pants are very frayed, extremely frayed, to the point when there's like two or three different legs in each leg, if you know what I mean. So, um, and I'm going to be away for so long. There's every chance I'm going to have to get them laundried. In, in the hotels I'm in. And that's that's something of an embarrassment. Finney's used to that because he goes away on tour for yonks. But there is something a little bit manky about handing over your pants to yeah. be washed. You've got to put them someone. in with loads of other stuff to make it less embarrassing. If you just hand over a pile of pants, you look like a pervert. Basically. You've got to bundle them, haven't you? You've got to bundle them sort of around the shirts, the parrot. Um, yeah, you've got, to hide them. you've got to hide them in the middle there. I, I heard once, I don't know if this is true, that apparently drug dealers, when they're smuggling drugs into other countries... They put loads of women's underwear at the top of the bag because when the securities open it, it's awkward to sift through a load of women's underwear. So well, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. I, I mean, I um, don't know about you, but I'm, I'm convinced there's stuff hidden in Catherine's underwear drawer and there's no way I'd look for it. <laughs> yeah, that she, she it could is be a hiding. bloody nightmare in there. Pippa could be hiding a man in her underwear drawer and I'd never find <laughs> it. Um, that, that, you know, I'm glad you brought this up. It's, it's just reminded me as you were saying that I've got to find this tweet. So earlier on in my radio show, I... Um, I mentioned, I don't know if you saw this video going around of Donald Trump. Remember him, that bloke, Donald Trump? Oh, yeah. A video went round of him after he'd given a speech and he stepped away from the lectern and it looked like he was wearing his trousers the wrong way round. So the back was at the front and it was going all over social media over the weekend. And I was talking about it on my show uh, and I got this tweet from a man. Uh, He says, uh, at Toby Tarrant, at Radio X, you are a talentless pisshead. (laughs) <laughs> go on he's so fast quite accurate yeah. <laughs> the worst thing about this is i agree with everything he says you are a talentless pisshead whose dad was famous this is the only reason you have this gig stop the left-wing agenda by slagging off at president of the united states 45 at trump by the way neither of those pages uh take you to anyone important because Trump's been banned from Twitter. Hashtag talentless twat. Hashtag you're better off in a silent disco. <laughs> so, yeah, no, see, so, I mean, you know, he's one of the few men that could make me feel dead sympathetic towards you, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the staggering thing was I, I pretty much agreed with every single word of it. So fair play to him. Uh, well, maybe Donald Trump, Melania, if you're listening, maybe if you could start preparing a full list of Donald Trump's outfits for him. And if you could write after each pair of trousers, blue trousers in brackets, put them on the right way round, close brackets. That that would be great. Um, That's anyway, the one I'll... thing she hasn't put here, to be fair with you. She, <laughs> she, does, she does trust me to put them on right, which is maybe wrong. You should wind her up by uh, by putting by posting a photo of you wearing all completely stuffed the wrong way round and stuff all over the gaff. You, you did say how to wear them. Um, do you know what? As we're here, let's talk about this man putting on the cagoule then. I was going to do it a bit later on. So it was my favourite part of the whole test match. And I don't know if have you seen this, Finney. Have you seen this beautiful moment from the crowd? I did. It was very funny. It was lovely. Pippa was on the phone to her cousin. My, my better half, Pippa, was on the phone to her cousin and she heard me howling with laughter from the front room. So if you haven't seen it, a member of the audience, they cut to him on the big screen and he didn't realise he was on the big screen. And I only ever really see these things at, at normally at sort of Fort Park or Alton Towers when it starts to rain. Everybody buys these sort of disposable cagoules that you put on to keep yourself dry. So this bloke in the audience was sat there and unbeknownst to him, he was on the big screen and he put it on the wrong way around, Donald Trump style. So the hood was at the front. He then realised that he was on the big screen. He then had this beautiful moment where he realised that the hood was the wrong way around. So then he took it back off. There was a delivery in the cricket, which they showed, and it cut back to him and he'd put the right way around. And then the whole crowd started cheering as he put it on. And when his head popped through the right way, he celebrated and it was the biggest cheer of the test match. Do you know what? The, the crowd at cricket, when it's good, there is nothing better mm-hmm. because the New Zealand fans were laughing, the England fans were laughing. It was a beautiful moment. And it was one of those reasons that made you realise how nice it is to have a crowd back in watching test cricket. It was a thing of beauty, wasn't it, Daniel? It really was. And to cap it all, I think, just as he got the cagoule on the right way around, it stopped raining. So we then took it off. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was an exercise in the most magnificent futility I've ever seen but you're right 
I mean, this week at Lords, there's many things we're going to talk about, but let's talk about the crowd. Having a crowd, it was just lovely. There was a New Zealand crowd. There's only seven and a half thousand people there or something. Uh, and yet there were still enough New Zealanders to make a big noise when Devin Conway scored his runs. And, and every time Neil Wagner did anything, the crowd, English and New Zealand, went berserk. They just loved every minute of it. I don't know why. I mean, there, are just, there are just some cricketers, aren't there, I think, that just appeal to a crowd. And I can't, it's worth actually trying to work it out. It's worth asking our listenership what makes a cricketer like a cult hero instantly. But Neil Wagner somehow fit that bill. Um, in a way that, you know, perhaps Dom Sibley and Tom Latham wouldn't, I don't know. Probably the fact that he's a, he's world famous for his bouncers. He bowls at about 78 miles an hour, but he seems to be, he keeps bumping people out. Maybe it's the fact that he gives 110%. And Finney, I want to ask you about the big screen because Nasser Hussain made a point on uh, on the Sky commentary. Not that I ever listen to the Sky to- commentary because obviously I'm always listening to Daniel and yeah. TMS. But, well uh, done, briefly, that's right. Briefly, I heard Nasser on Sky. And he made a good point that um, Bracey was wicket-keeping and he had a, a tough time behind the stumps because it's a very difficult place to keep at the best of times, Lords, and the ball was swinging after the bat and it was keeping low at times and stuff. And Nasser pointed out that Bracey will have never had this before, but when the Ebony Rainsford Brent was doing a piece on his wicket-keeping struggles, they showed it on the big screen at Lords. So Bracey <laughs> had to stand there and watch his keeping mistakes on the big screen at Lords. And I guess that's just something I've never thought about. So did you used to play and then you have to re-watch your drop catch or you getting thumped for six on the big screen back and forth? Well, yeah, as soon as you become experienced enough, you just realise if anything bad happens, don't look at the screen. <laughs> you only look at the screen when something good happens. So yeah, drop catches, misfields, if they're picking apart your technique, um, yeah, you, you just literally avoid it. But yeah, I... If you've not been there before, or you've not uh, not like had that level of scrutiny on your performance before, I can imagine, or it is rattling for you. Um, but yeah, you you learn to deal with it, and also you learn that people like Dan have to fill six or seven hours of TV or radio a day. So there's going to be some element of negativity in there. So um, that's the cynical cricketer in me just coming out whilst I briefly put my cricketer's hat on. He's, 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 not, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But in fairness, um, I mean, keeping at Lords, we did we did say, in fairness, to, to both keepers, because Watling had a bit of a nightmare too. He's a very experienced keeper, 77 matches or something like that he's played. And it says something about Lords. It's a bloody nightmare. It just, it comes down really low sometimes. It goes so high other times. It's, it moves so much after it's beaten the bat. You know, I mean, Finney would be one of the best bowlers in the world if the pitch was 28 yards long because he gets some <laughs> serious movement. But <laughs> fortunately, the Lords, it's, uh, yeah, it's the 22 yards that's the issue, isn't it? <laughs> if only Finney had uh, batsmen in the same amount of trouble, he had wicket keepers all this time, he'd be unplayable. Exactly. I mean, I'd never thought about that ever until NASA mentioned it, that, oh yeah, Bracey would not be used to being scrutinised like that, what, with a crowd in especially. Did you ever find, Finney, that when you were playing for England, that every now and then there was a bit of a lull in the calendar and they're getting rarer and rarer, but when there was a lull in the calendar and you went back and played for Middlesex, that sometimes it was really nice to go back and play for Middlesex, play a four-day game, maybe at an outground somewhere and, and, just, and just bowl in front of about four blokes sat down in, in fold-out seats. Well, yeah, that's before every ball of everything was recorded. I mean, now, even if you play a second-team game, everything's recorded. So, you know, there's no hiding from anything anywhere. I think even club cricket now has live streams um i mean today I, you know that i don't like talking about my batting too much but uh today i was able to watch myself uh hitting a six back um you know i, I don't like to talk about it that often but i hit another <laughs> six today and i got to watch it back on my phone once i got to the dressing room so that, that's well, a I, good positive for it i did wonder how long before you brought that up now can i explain by the way while stephen finn is doing this daniel norcross has muted himself and he's carried the laptop with him through his house. And he seems to have left the Wi-Fi zone. So it is frozen with Daniel, I think, pouring a drink. Daniel, have you just taken us to the kitchen to watch you pour a drink? Yeah. Was that okay? 
yeah. it was just, I, just, I felt it was this. I haven't had one for, I've not had one for a while. And I just, <laughs> you know, I mean, Finney was talking about getting another six, another six. We didn't know about the first one. Is this the second six of the season? Um, and, and he said to us on the WhatsApp group, do you remember, like today, we were having serious conversations about what we were going to talk about today, which we're about to come to. And he just cut through all of that with a video of him slapping a 14-year-old over long off. <laughs> now, Finney, we have to discuss how much this six is worth because, Daniel, we spoke earlier on in the season when Finney hit a six in the second 11 game and he's hit another one and he sent us the video. It pains me to admit it. It's a good shot, this. Gives himself some room outside leg stump. Yeah. Bowler follows him, thumps it back over his head. He watches it sail over the bowler's head. It's a good strike, this. However, it is in the second 11 cricket. So are we going to give him half a six for this? Now, Finney will argue this is a first 11 bowler. Who's the bowler, Finney? Matt Milnes from Kent. Matt Milnes, though. But Matt Milnes, uh, how, how much has he played for Kent lots, this season? Lots. What, what do you mean by lots, lots, Finney? Lots of wickets. Yeah, well, we need to have a little check on that. I mean, it won't be as many, won't be as, many as Darren Stevens, uh, who yeah. plays for the same team. <laughs> uh, my, my instant adjudication is that he's got a point here's Matt Milnes in second 11 cricket so the two things we've got to balance up mm. I'm kind of veering towards 0.75 of a 6 Ooh. but Ooh. I might come back to 0.66 of a 6 after I've checked Matt Milnes' actual okay. stats this season okay. how's that can we, can, we, can we take that to DRS I think that's reasonable I think that's a fair fair offer yeah, now, be, be my guest, but you feel free to watch the shot back again and then you can judge it for the quality uh, of the shot. And well, I've, in watched the interest- it, I've, watched it a couple, I've watched it a couple of times. I've never actually seen the ball go over the boundary. I've only seen the umpire. That's signal, true, so actually. None, that's none of true. that is because it's, it's just a straight down the line camera. So, I mean, I'm going on a lot of trust here that, yeah. he, that it did actually go for six. Well, he's not lying. The umpire stood there with giving it the horns. So it's, <laughs> Yeah, but how long was the boundary? It was like, I mean, second eleven, isn't Big it? Big bound, like one of the biggest yards. I've ever, one of the biggest I've ever played on, actually. <laughs> um, I will, in the interest of fairness, if we're going to post Daniel Norcross's outfit list for the next nine days, Finney, I will post the, the video of that six on the Zero Ducks given. Thank page. you. You'll be Thank delighted you. to hear, and I'll put it on Instagram for you as well. Um, right now, let's move on to uh, to some more serious topics which is Ollie Robinson, which, of course, we have to talk about. I'm, I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock, that you know what happened. So, Ollie Robinson, uh, before I say anything, I should say bowled very well on his England debut, purely cricketing-wise, uh, bowled very, very well. He did um, have some tweets from when he was 18 and 19 years of age get revealed on social media after the first day's play. And he came out and gave a very frank and very honest apology, and he held his hands up and he made no apology about his actions whatsoever. And... It was really sad, and it still is sad, I think, that in amongst all the excitement for Test cricket returning, that we were talking about something, as, as let's be honest, ugly as this, and, uh, and it was a shame. And the ECB have made the decision to suspend him from all international cricket temporarily whilst they undergo an investigation, which I find very odd because I don't know what they need to investigate. He's fessed up to the tweets. They've got the tweets. I don't know what they're trying to investigate, but that's by the by. Um and the reaction on social media, I would say, has been disappointing from my point of view. Lots of people jumping in to defend Ollie Robinson and saying it was a long time ago. And, and I completely understand that. But he's not defended his own actions. He hasn't tried to justify his own actions. He's completely held his hands up. And so I don't think it's for other people to start chiming in and going, oh, well, what he said wasn't that offensive and he was young. And if he's admitted that he made a mistake, then he no matter how long ago in life we all make mistakes but also we all get punished for our mistakes and so I think I think the suspension is absolutely the right thing to do I also think it's a sideshow that's not good for the game of test cricket with a full crowd expected for the next test I don't think it's a nice thing to have rumbling underneath the entire game so I think it's absolutely the right decision and the key word here is suspended he hasn't been banned for life he will play for England again. I have absolutely no doubts about that. There's a very good chance with the way that he bowled that he's going to play the first Ashes test at the end of the year. So it is not the end of Ollie Robinson's international career, nor do I think it should be, by the way. I don't think he should be banned for life from international cricket for something, for several stupid things that he said 10 years ago. But you have to face punishment of some sort, surely, Daniel Norcross. You absolutely do. 
I contrast the first day of the international summer last year with the first day of the international summer this year. And last year, Michael Holding and Emily Rainford Brent produced a literally BAFTA award winning moment of television. They won their BAFTA last night. Yeah, congratulations, by the way. Well deserved to those. Absolutely. Um, And it was one of the most moving pieces of television we could wish to see. And I think it did actually make a step change for a step change in English cricket. Not because I thought that English cricketers were racist before then, but I thought it really brought to right to the forefront issues that lots of people have been talking about, lots of cricketers have been talking about. Uh, but it had really made us force ourselves to think about it. And the first day of the international summer this year, the players went out and they wore T-shirts. They, they took a different approach. They didn't want to take the knee. And you can have many arguments about that, but whatever, they, they found a different way. And they were wearing various different T-shirts describing their unity with various different disadvantaged groups as well as marginalised groups. And it was a plea for unity and diversity with women involved and transgender and different races and what have you. And people chose, Rory Burns chose a transgender T-shirt, for example. And there we were, uh, filled with hope and optimism for a new season coming out of COVID. And then these tweets emerged. Now, it wasn't Ollie Robinson's fault that the tweets emerged on that day. There are all sorts of things you can think at this point. You can think about the fact that he was employed by Yorkshire and Kent and Sussex before he even arrived at the ECB and then spent a year in a bubble with the ECB. And none of these tweets had emerged. And you could say, well, what, why didn't they... Why didn't somebody remove them at that point? You know, people who go work in um, office jobs in the, in the city of London, frequently you know, they have to have their social media checked. How did this not happen in cricket? That's one way we can sort of distract ourselves from, from the real issue here. Um, and another one is to say, well, he was only 18, 19 years old when he did it. So it doesn't really matter because it's it's not the Ollie Robinson that we've seen in front of us. It does matter. I work with Isha Guhar. I work with Emily Rainford Brent. I work, work, well, I mean, many of those tweets were just plain dreadfully sexist with Ali Mitchell, with Ellie Oldroyd. I mean, they were horrible things to see. And he used the N-word in a tweet. And I ask you this question. If we were playing the West Indies that day, could he have come out on day two? Could he have come out in 1976? I know it's a bit of a slightly more awkward thought experiment, but imagine if he'd walked out to bat against Viv Richards and Clive Lloyd and that team, and people knew that he'd said that. Um, it was difficult. It was a difficult situation for everybody who was there, for the broadcasters who were there, for the people who were watching. And yet at the same time, it's nine years ago, and he came out and was very, very clearly remorseful about what he said. Joe Root, I thought, gave the most important statements of the lot at the end of the test match, talking about how you know this mustn't. We need to create an environment in which this doesn't happen again. But let's be also really clear about one other thing: he's not been cancelled. His the, the investigation. You're right to say, well, you know, I could have investigated that. And we all did, actually, in about three minutes, looking at the tweets that we'd seen that had been unearthed by whoever it was that, that did so. And we might have said, well, we know exactly what to, what to do here, but actually there's more to it than that. The ECB do need to, when I say investigate, they need to suspend and think about what cricketers need as young people as they come into the game. Does he need an education programme? Does he... Do people need awareness training? Not just him. There'll be loads and loads of people. I mean, we all, we probably all of us have written ridiculous and dreadful things when we were 18, 19 years old. Um, I like to think not those kind of things, mm. but things that we regret. But when you're in the public eye, is, is the ECB thinking about how they can make this situation not happen again? And while they're doing that, he's suspended. And any course of normal work while you're suspended you don't work 
while an investigation goes on. He's not being cancelled. Mm. The reason he's not playing in the next test match is because something happened. Something was brought to light that was extremely grave. And it did. You know, it, it, it's not trivial. People need to understand it's not trivial. Mm. And also that he's not being singled out. I, I saw someone saying, where, where were these, who published these tweets first? Well, Ollie Robinson published these tweets yeah. first. Yeah. And yeah. that doesn't mean to say, that as you, exactly as you say, that he doesn't play for England again. It doesn't mean that, that it's, he's, you know, untermentioned. But it does mean that we need to have a little bit of a pause and a break and a think about how we could have got to that situation. And as I said earlier, I think Joe Root absolutely nailed it in, in the statement that he gave at the end of the test match. I, I completely agree with everything you say, Daniel. And I just I just think that's the key to all of this is people defending Ollie Robinson as he is not defending himself. I'm sure he completely accepts and understands the suspension whilst they work out what to do. If the ECB are trying to send a message, which they have been for a few years now, about equality and understanding, then when an opportunity like this comes along to punish somebody for making a huge mistake, and like you say, some of the tweets were abhorrent and disgusting, whatever age you are, they were, they have to, because if you're a young black or a young Asian or a young female England cricket fan who loves watching the England cricket team, how would that make you feel? And so they have to, they can't just brush it under the carpet. He couldn't play this test next week because otherwise it's basically dismissing what he said. And this is the key is I do think he's an improved human being from 10 years ago. And I'm sure that he will improve from now on as well. He'll learn a hell of a lot from this. I'm sure he will. But they had to do something and he is not cancelled. He is not banned from the England team. Uh, Finney, I want to ask you about this because this isn't going to be the last instance of this. There's already talk about, you know, people are now unearthing other old tweets from England players, not of the same degree, but now it's become a bit of a sport to go back to 10 years and find England players' tweets and stuff like that. Um, the world we grew up in now, there's going to be 18, 19-year-olds right now with Twitter accounts who are going to be playing for England in six, seven, eight years' time who are probably going to be writing some stupid things right now. How much guidance do you guys get now as professional players? Because it's such, I mean, it's, it's a really important part of the game now is social media. Yeah, it is. It's very important. And I think the, the PCA do put on workshops each year for the counties where um, a social media lawyer comes in and explains to people what is acceptable to put on um, social media and what isn't. But I, to be honest, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. You sit in those chats and you think it speaks for itself what you should and shouldn't be putting on social media. And for me, the important thing is the education, not about what is acceptable and what's not to put on social media, but the deeper root cause um, of, the of the things that are said and understanding that those things aren't acceptable um, is more important than understanding what to put on social media so I think the and Ollie Robinson rightly so came out in his statement and said that um, that he's remorseful and is sorry um, and that he's learned from his actions and he's educated himself since that time I think that for me is the important point to this is that people can educate themselves and can be educated on these topics um, and I think personally that education and understanding and, and it's amazing the awareness that we've got as a result of the pieces that people um, like Michael Holding and Ebony Rainford Brent did last year the awareness that people now have of these subjects is so great that, that people have no choice but to educate themselves and hopefully we as not just a cricket but as a society in general can um, can learn what is right and what's not. And I think that that will make, make these things um, peter out over time. Yeah, completely agree. And I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't believe that Ollie Robinson, the man that we see now, is a racist. I think he said some things trying to be funny to whoever his mates were when he was 18 years old on Twitter and got it horribly, horribly wrong. And, and said some really abhorrent things when he's 18 years old. I don't believe that you can spend 10 years in the county scene nowadays and still be a racist because you share your changing room with every walk of life. You play in front of every single walk of life. There's probably no more diverse changing room in the world than a cricket dressing room, even at club level. And so I do hope that, um, 
I do hope that he is a very, very different man to the man that we that we saw those tweets from ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and look at uh, Ollie's development. You know, he was at Yorkshire. It's a difficult time in his life, and he was driving back and forth from Yorkshire to Kent. He wasn't happy where he was. He was eighteen, nineteen years old. This is in no way an exoneration. I mean, some of his tweets read a little bit like an incel, and uh, maybe at nineteen years old, that's not a massive surprise, you know. And now he's moved to Sussex, and in his dressing room is Jofra Archer, Chris Jordan, Rashid Khan. You know, you, I, I, the moment I read those tweets, I wondered what those guys thought. Mm. And yet, uh, the other part of me was that, well, they've worked with him all this time. So Mm. hopefully, the Ollie Robinson that plays with those guys and works with those guys is not the Ollie Robinson that we see from those tweets in 2012, 2013, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and he's come to a different place. It's uh, the balance of trying to work this out is, is difficult. Of course it is, but it's not about woke madness. It's not about liberal metropolitan elitism. It's not about any of those things. It's not what the, the Oliver Dowden charged in today and said, the ECB had gone over the top. Well, it's, I don't think it's for Oliver Dowden to decide mm. what the ECB yeah. does. Because when you are that much in the public eye, it is different. I'm afraid it's just different. You may not think it's fair that if you've written a manky tweet and you're being employed in, you know, I, I, to choose, choose a company at random in the city, um, that people don't get to see it. But unfortunately... What Ollie Robinson wanted to do was play for England. And when you play for England, you're massively in the public eye. And so all those things come under scrutiny. They just do. And ECB has a duty of care to the player, but also to the, to the country. It's not right that we would exonerate that kind of behaviour without pausing, thinking, understanding where it comes from. Mm. And uh, I'm just slightly livid, I think, actually, that that anybody from government can feel that they can interfere with the politics of cricket. We get very angry when it happens in other countries, in Zimbabwe or Sri Lanka. But this is not something for government to be involved in. This is something for cricket authorities to understand because they understand better what people like Stephen Finn have gone through representing their country and the responsibilities that those people have when they do that and the standards that they have to attain and stick to when they're doing that. Or else, what does it mean to wear the shirt, you know? Mm. Completely agree. I couldn't believe when I saw politicians wading in today, and Oliver Darden wasn't the only one. I just thought, this has nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. This is an ECB matter. This is an Ollie Robinson matter. And it will be dealt with accordingly. Absolutely no right for them to intervene at all. And let's finish on a... um, on a slightly lighter note on the topic, because we need to give a shout out and our commiserations to the other Ollie Robinson, Kent oh, Ollie yes. Robinson, who not only is a cricketer called Ollie Robinson, but also they have the same birthday. And he was receiving uh, thousands upon thousands of tweets incorrectly targeting him. Uh, I don't know what they were saying, but he had to put a statement up on a Twitter going, yeah, no, you've got the wrong Ollie Robinson. So we need to, we need to, Give a thought to that poor man if you're listening, Ollie. It's like um, there's the guy, John Lewis, is it, that's called at yeah. John Lewis on Twitter. So every single year at Christmas, he receives millions of tweets about my blender hasn't turned up and my nan really wants it and blah, 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 blah. Um, I, always, I always think this, that you have to hope in this day and age of social media. Now, Toby Tarrant's a rare name. I've, I don't think there's any others. Whenever I look for it, I've never found one. Um, Whenever so you look for it. I've had a look that's, and I couldn't. That's revealing. And I couldn't. <laughs> no, I couldn't find one. I couldn't find one. I, I searched once, nothing. However, Stephen Finn and Daniel Norcross, there must be a few of those knocking around. So you've got to hope that there's not like a like a horrible oh. mass murder out there called Stephen Finn, because Stephen Finn, I, that sounds like a bit of a, a murderer's name, I reckon. Well, it's actually a Canadian ice hockey player called Stephen Finn. Yeah, who and a musician called Stephen Finn as well. So. Yeah, I've had a few tweets from those guys before being like, what the fuck, man? I didn't bullshit today. What's going on? Why am I getting abused? <laughs> and just... actually, the best one that I know is Tim Murta in the, oh, fucking cramp again. Are you joking? <laughs> What's you going so, on? You are so unfit, Vinny, what honestly. What the earth is going on? 
Well, it's quite. It's been quite warm lately, hasn't it? I suppose you're dehydrated. I bet Stephen Finn, the piano player or whatever he does, doesn't get cramped like this. Exactly. Yeah, he play that thing for hours. Um, I, I, um, he'll be knackered. Wait, no, that's completely the wrong word. <laughs> I, um, Tim Murta. Oh, that's where I was. Tim Murta. Um, President Trump's press secretary was called Tim Murtow. And Mertz for a, right. for a long time was getting this this foreign policy is disgusting. How can the president <laughs> say this? And Mertz would just uh, just message him back saying, "No, no, I've only I've just took three for at Taunton. You, you got the wrong person." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Also, it's basically, it's basically it's Tim Mertz's name with a U after the A. Yeah. So it's Tim Mertz, exactly, it's exactly that. And also, and, uh, yeah. I like to think Donald Trump's press secretary is getting some tweet like going, nice forfer against Glamorgan today, Tim. Going, what, 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 what Actually, what presumably, it does, it, presumably it, work, it does work the other way. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Steve Smith, Steve Smith's another one. There's this really kind of lovely kind of normal American uh, Midwest guy called Steve Smith who was absolutely nailed after Sandpaper Gate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he had a terrible time of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've... Ronnie Roberts. I also feel, you know, his credit rating must be in a bit of a, a problem now. I mean, same name, same birthday. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a bit he of must, an issue for him. He must have seen a news report come through. You know, you get the updates on your phone now. A big thing flash up saying, Ollie Robinson banned from the England cricket team because I wasn't even in it. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> gutted. I've been trying to get in that team for years yeah. and they've not picked me and now I'm banned. The but, simple but, thing is for one of them to choose Oliver, though, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I mean, how on. difficult could it have been? You would have thought, I'm genuinely, Finney. I mean, these two people must have played against each other and indeed with each other because they were both again for a while. Yeah. Didn't yeah. neither of them say, do you fancy Oliver? You know, I mean, toss for it. Next time they play each other, whoever has the better game gets to choose. I think that should be yeah. how they settle it once and for all. Um, let's move on to the positives. Now, we, we discussed New Zealand before the test match and we said they're going to be a hell of a side. If you were in any doubt, you certainly aren't now. Very, very impressive. I mean, Devon Conway. So, test debut, 200 at Lords. He brought up his 100 with a four, his 200 with a six. He, he got run out. Joe Root very nearly made a complete hash of it, but he got run out after getting 200. As debuts go, pretty damn impressive. He's been scoring runs for fun in the New Zealand, in the New Zealand district game. But, I mean, it's very, very different to face Anderson and Bloor with the new ball at Lords. He looked like he could bat all day there, didn't he, Finney? He, um, yeah, he looks incredibly annoying to bowl to. But I think he's got another gear as well, hasn't he? Because he's done it in T20 cricket. And I think well, he's done it in every bloody format of cricket by the sounds of it. I, you know, I didn't know that much about him before um, I started doing research, before this series. Um, and some of his numbers are phenomenal. His appetite for big runs once he gets in um, is incredible yeah so it looks as though they've unearthed an absolute gem there and um yeah pretty glad that i'm absolutely nowhere near the hunt to play international cricket because he looks horrible to bowl to. i think ollie robinson from kent's closer to the england team than you you're cramping up after four overs yesterday <laughs> it's, look, it's 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 gutting because normally you know we used to pick the sappers we used to find that the sapper gems and like steal them out of the diamond mines and uh, unfortunately the bloody New Zealanders have just quietly gone about their business with the Grand Dom and Wagner and uh, you know and, and now Conway and there are others they've got a production line going but honestly I watched all of that test match which every ball of that test match and it was a remarkable innings in that first innings because we're going to talk about this test and go oh well you know why didn't England chase down 273 it was a really awkward pitch it was really icky you know there was no there was nothing coming on to the bat fluent players like Root and Williamson were weren't their normal fluent best you know Ross Taylor was all over the place bless him these are brilliant brilliant test cricketers and Conway somehow just managed to find this mental state in which he just limited himself to what he's going to do he's made his name as Finney has said you know, he's made his name out of what he can do in T20 and with white ball cricket but at the same time, has quietly gone about his his first class career. In the last few years, he's averaging like seventy two. I mean, it, it it's he's a find, and he's twenty nine, and he's just come into Test cricket. You don't get two hundred on debut very often. I can't. I mean, he was chanceless. 
It was mm. an incredible innings to watch. It was utterly brilliant. Mm. His last ball was him hitting six because he was run out the next ball at the other end. You know, well, um, he did he did nothing wrong. He didn't put a foot wrong. It was anyone brilliant. who hits six to get their hundred, I've got so much respect for. I love it. Then yeah. two hundred. I mean, two hundred. Sorry, and at, and at Lords, Billy, at off, Lords. I mean, off Mark you know, Wood. You, you, Con- Conway's not playing at Lords very often, is he? He's not going to happen very often. He's certainly not playing for New Zealand very often because we only well, play. You, you never know. He, he might want to sign for the best domestic team in the world, Middlesex, <laughs> and then he can play there every week. I'll tell you what, you'd take him. <laughs> I, I really don't know where to go with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the one final thing that I want to talk about, chaps, because it's absolutely flown by, but um, talk about making a statement. The highlight of the test, apart from the lovely man who couldn't get his cagoule on, was obviously Colin de Grandhomme's lid, which Daniel Norcross had the nerve, the gall, to criticise on TMS. Oh. He called it a crime against humanity. It's the single greatest sporting lid I've ever seen. Stephen Finn, yay or nay, Colin de Grandhomme's lid. It's took some time to curate it, hasn't it? It's... Um... It's certainly interesting. Down. I mean, a crime against humanity may be slightly over the top, but <laughs> we we know what these TMS commentators are like when it comes yeah. to going over the top with stuff. <laughs> um, and Dan might may or may not be. I mean, we've heard some of those outfits, the parrots and bloody flamingos. He's eccentric, so he's going to describe <laughs> it like that. But I think that it just comes from a place of jealousy for me, from Dan. Yeah, yeah. He looks at yeah. that, he's like, well, Colin, you could chop half of that off and slap it on the top of my head and I would be <laughs> very happy. I, I, look, it's hard to argue with that. I, I, yes, there's a part of it is jealousy. Another part of it is that it looks fucking foul. I mean, <laughs> honestly, he, like, he was a commentator's friend because... Whenever the ball went to him, there was this sort of shambolic, big-haired roadie in the middle of Lords with a mad sun hat on, and I knew it was Colin de Grandom. I mean, I struggled to recognise Tom Latham and Henry Nichols from 120 yards, but Colin de Grandom, piece of piss. So in some <laughs> ways, thank you very much, but bloody hell. I mean, and there's so much of it going on. You're, you're bloody captain, Peter Hanscom. It's up there. It's up there with the crime against humanity. It might be even worse if such a thing is possible. Mm-hmm. Aussies are doing it. Antipathies. I mean, Pat Cummins did it during the IPL. There's some dreadful frigging hair out there at the moment. It's, it's you, I have to say, are looking great. I mean, Incredibly I, normal, isn't it? I mean, I yeah, shaved it all off totally at the off. beginning of lockdown 3.0. Yeah. Just well, I, now a respectable I have... 32-year-old man's lid. Well, I, yeah, I, like I don't it. know, Finney, because, I, you know, when you I think maybe you should go Colin de Grandob. I reckon. No! <laughs> when when <laughs> Finney, Finney first broke in the England team, because you used to have your floppy little, you know, McFly hair all down over your forehead and scooped over like that. And you, you're a breath of fresh air in the England team. You're not getting in the four-day Middlesex team at the minute. I think a new lid, new man. Well, I did get a lot of abuse from Swan and Anderson for that lid on Swan's tour diaries, Swanny's tour diaries, <laughs> on that Ashes tour. I got a lot of shit for my haircut to the point where I was just like, fuck this, I'm, I'm cutting it all off. So I ended up cutting it all off mid-series because I was fed up of getting so much stick from the boys. But my one regret from that is when you've got long hair like that and you shampoo and condition it, on on the day and then you blow dry it it just becomes like this massive bouffant so we got asked to go and do um like a mean photo shoot for the start of the ashes and i was like you know what i'm I'm gonna wash and shampoo shampoo and condition my hair this morning because you know for the photos make my mum proud first ashes series and all that (laughs) so i did it and my haircut in the photo honestly it's one of the most embarrassing things it looks like someone's teleported me back to the 1970s and i've got this like bouffanty fluffy floppy comb over thing it looks like lego hair and uh and that was my ashes photo for the 10 11 series looking mean and menacing yeah i was about 
weighed about 65 kilograms, was six foot eight, and, and had this massive Lego head mop on top of my if, head. If anybody listening to this can find that photo, then please locate it for I'll us. find it Finney, for Finney, Finney, Finney's got the photo. Oh, Finney's got yes, the bloody Finney. photo. Right. My screensaver, don't worry about that. Send that, <laughs> send, that, send that to the WhatsApp group. So we need to put up Daniel's clothes list. We need to put up Finney's six and Finney's haircut as well. I've dodged the bullet this week. Yes, Daniel? Um, I don't want us to end without me apologising to Dom Sibley. Oh, Can yes. I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what before we you say on, before you say anything, I'd like to point out that I picked him as top run scorer before the test series started. So I was very pleased to see him make some runs in the second innings. Continue, yeah. Daniel. He, he's quite a long way behind Rory Burns. Sorry, it's Rory Burns. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd like to point out. Um, I, I need to apologise publicly to, to Dom Sibley. At the end of the second session yesterday, England advanced to fifty-six for two from thirty-three overs. And Dominic Sibley have been a large part of that. There were 10 extras involved in Tenley, so there were 46 runs off the bat from 33 overs. And having been set, um, one of the more remarkably generous declarations in Test cricket history by Kane Williamson of 270, whatever it was, off 75 overs, that there was excitement. There was excitement where there had been none. And, and then that excitement was deflated by the sight of Dom for whom the half volley is kryptonite. Right. This as, uh, as apologies go, Dan. This is awful. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds awful, doesn't it? It sounds awful. You know, I'm, I'm sorry if I've offended anyone. But um, <laughs> I hope you apologise to say, Catherine better than this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of practice. So, <laughs> uh, but I genuinely do want to apologise because I, I think it was mean of me. I just finished a tea time interval a thing and I handed over to Ishikuha and I said um, I'm now handing over to Ishikuha because I can see Dominic Sibley come out and I need to go into a darkened room and scream into a pillow for the next half an hour mm. and whilst I didn't entirely not mean that I do think that Dom batted absolutely fantastically and I'm very pleased he's one of the loveliest men in cricket he's a beautiful guy He's a generous, sweet, charming, lovely bloke. But yesterday, I lost it a bit. And I just want to, I want to apologise publicly for losing it, whilst at the same time begging people to understand what it must have felt like to sit through that two and a half hours. <laughs> um, and that, I think, is what we call balance on the BBC. <laughs> Well, Daniel, thank you for your apology. And just, Dom, if you're listening, remember that time that I backed you up and said you were going to be top run scorer in the series. When you get your 10,000th run, just remember that I was always nice to you and Norcross used to slag you off. When, when he gets to... his ten, when, Honestly, when he gets his 10,000th run, we will be virtually at the heat death of the universe. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take that long. <laughs> I'm backing you, Dom. Uh, Finney, lovely to see you. You go and spank some second 11 bowlers around the place this week and uh, I'll see you next week. Daniel, uh, make sure you post that. Uh, send me that picture of your clothing up. Yes. I look forward to see you ticking off. Also, don't lose the piece of paper. It's not lost on me that you and Catherine still use paper and pen. But uh, don't lose that piece <laughs> of paper. What did you whole... to do? Well, she's meant to WhatsApp, WhatsApp you. To me. Yeah, oh, WhatsApp what? it to you. Well, then it's, permanent, it's permanently there, mate. You it's not intimate, is it? That's not intimate. We live, to, you know, it's intimate writing things. That's kind of nice, is it? It's well, like the 1920s. Like just Miss don't Barbell. lose that piece of paper, otherwise you'll have to do one of your crap apologies to Catherine. Lovely to see you both, chat. <laughs> Cheers. See ya. Good night. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.